Hey guys, this um, next audio recording is from a Bible study on a Wednesday night where we had been in a multiple week series or process of getting into spiritual gifts and particularly healing prayer. Um, this is the second specific week of healing prayer topic conversation. Um, this particular night we had um, a lot of our uh, regular people were out on vacation and we had a really above average number of visitors. And so they kind of jumped into the middle of the conversation, um, which is always harder because we kind of build on ideas and things. And so it's a continuation of the last week, but also a lot of kind of circ circling back and starting over because of the nature of the room. Um, I just wanted to give that disclaimer because it's audio and you can't see who's there and um, yeah, anyway, so I hope it blesses you. I hope you enjoy it. I did audio this time because my phone was almost dead. Um, hope that works for everybody. All right, great, thanks. Have fun. Um, started about the spiritual gifts and then we started talking about uh, what, how people should be living or could be living in the name of the Lord. Uh, we still we would break out the specific gifts that were listed, and um, I guess a really important thing about the list of gifts that we proposed for people to read it away in a way because we looked at other scriptures is that um, the list of spiritual giftings wasn't necessarily a list that would imply that some would have this and some would have that. Um, it was more of a uh, there's other scriptures mainly coming from Jesus himself, that it did say, like, here's the Great Commission. And it effectively lists a couple key things that would make the whole list kind of fall under it. Does that make sense? Uh, the Great Commission, you're going to lay hands on the sick. All who would come to believe would lay hands on the sick, and they would recover, cast out demons, speak in tongues, pick up snakes, and not die, drink poison. It's this list. It's not the... It's, it's not the whole list that we would read in Corinthians, but that list alone kind of implies the way Jesus says it. And then John 17, he prayed, you know, all who would come to believe in me, Father, bestow the same glory on them that you have bestowed on me. Um, and so there's this idea that these, all of these spiritual gifts are there for every believer to partake in. The list of gifts where it says, you know, and or some would have or would all be given this gift with all that. We kind of started to ask the question, at least. We, we have permission to ask, you know, questions here to ponder. But we asked the question of, could that list have been a list of ministries? Because it, it does wrap it up with minister within your gift. So, like, you, while all people may have been called by Jesus to lay hands on the sick and pray for them, um, this special gifting, maybe that's just a minister, a ministerial role. Like, that person has a special gift to not just lay hands on the sick and, and have, you know, but to ignite that in other people to um, anoint uh, carry an anointing some would say or a special gifting so that they could awaken that piece of the puzzle in every other person's life um, and so from that place we started discussing what it looks like for each and every one of us to believe in these gifts and we started talking about healing prayer last week which is a big big topic lots of things come along with that it's a very humbling subject because unlike a lot of things Either God's in it or he isn't. And, and, and it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to create dogmas and doctrines around whether it is for today or not for today. And It's really easy to, but if you're going to take the side of the line that says, yes, that is what 
God meant when He said we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And, and that's you know, one of the jobs that we are called to do. If you're going to take that line, well, then all of a sudden you're positioning yourself in a place where you could look silly one day. Because you might do it and it might not work. And then you get uh, lots of conversations bud out of that. And honestly, I think most of the conversations that come into play here, it's a lot of groups of uh, Christian believers that have, maybe that's not part of their walk, or maybe they've never met someone to ignite that in their life um, on any capacity. So it's easier to build a case against it. It's much easier to build a case against it and this and that. And then it's a real easy thing, especially in, the, in a more religious type setting, to say, well, maybe we can start appointing blame. But maybe that person didn't get healed because their faith is no good. Or maybe this or maybe that. And, maybe that. and so last week, one of the things that I asked as we started to discuss this topic was um, that if we were going to discuss how to get this active in our lives, that we have to make one agreement that we would only study the things that work. We wouldn't study failures necessarily. Now, it's worth discussing at times why things don't go the way we want them to, but ultimately, to study uh, uh, unanswered prayers in an attempt to understand what God meant by this would work, then um, it's kind of like what we used the example last week of you don't, when you're uh, failing a particular subject in school, you don't go back and study all your F papers to get better you go study an expert. You go study somebody who has some, you know, a leg to stand on, and you say, okay, well, what is different between me and my F papers and this person who's a scholar on this subject? And not to say that any of us are scholars, but just to say that the idea that we could study um, successes and learn more from them than trying to pick apart failures might be more productive. Last week's discussion, which is online if you want to listen to it, albeit it's long, um, we quickly got into the Old Testament questions, um, questions about you know Job and uh, Gehazi and different ones. And and honestly, what we what we said last week, which and it's not the perfect answer, but what we said last week was, hey, we can find countless Old Testament stories that bring some of these ideas that God wants to heal people and God called us to pray for healings. We can bring countless Old Testament ideas and we can do the dance through all of that and figure out how to make all of that work through um, that lens. But it's a whole lot faster and easier if you just say, okay, well, there wasn't a whole lot of widespread healing prayer pre-Jesus New Covenant, but there seems to be a really big uptick with Jesus and then a continuance of that with his apostles and as he prayed, all who would believe. And this goes on now for thousands of years in recorded church history. So, so it's, just, it's just not that you can't use the Old Testament, but it is a lot easier and clearer and faster to use Jesus and going forward. And some of that's because even when Jesus started to do it, because up until that point, they only had what we would call the, the Old Testament plus all their other Hebrew writings that would be in addition to that. And they only had their Old Testament examples, and um, they didn't even understand what Jesus was doing because the new covenant it is the new covenant is radically different in operation, at least. Um, and so they were like, ah, oh, they, they even accused him of being working for Beelzebub. Maybe he is Beelzebub, the devil, and and they, it was a lot of confusion. So I say that to say. We can do Old Testament dances like we said last week, but it's just 
a lot more getting us to the place where we actually begin to have faith to pray for one another and believe it'll happen a lot quicker with Jesus going forward. Yeah? Now, a lot of you, uh, several of you weren't here last week, but from those of you who were here, listened. you listened. Listening is almost as good. Um, any questions, comments, thoughts so far? Anybody, anything. You know the deal. We don't have to answer them right now, but we get them out there first. What you got? We've had a whole week to think about what seemed like a kind of hot topic last week. It wasn't as popular as I thought it was. Oh, okay. That's a positive answer. All right. Yeah. Healing prayer. Um, just the praying for the sick, believing that they would recover in the name of Jesus. Yes, sir. I look at it a very simple thing. It's, there's a very simple scripture that talks, when it comes down to, to, to healing or anything, it comes down to faith, right? This is the prayer of faith. Mm -hmm. right? But you ask me, where's faith come from? There's only one scripture that tells us where it comes from. It's Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. Well, the word word there is the word rhema. Yeah. So the aspect is, is that when I look at the aspect of healing, it says, is anyone let, let anyone sick, let him come. Mm -hmm. Come to the elders, anoint him with oil, and pray for him. I've been an elder before. I've been a pastor before. But people come to me and they ask me to pray for them. I'm going to whip out the oil. I'm going to pray for them. Because that's what Scripture says to do. Mm -hmm. It is not my job to have faith or not have faith. It's not my job. It's my job to hear God. So the aspect is, there are times where Jesus said, in accordance with your faith, let it be done to you. All right? That means because they had received something from God. The woman who had the issue of blood had received something from the Lord. She knew, she had, she believed yeah. that if she just touched the hem of his garment, that she would be healed. But Jesus had no clue. He had no clue about it at all. All he knew was that he felt something flow out yeah. of him. So he had nothing to do with that other than the aspect that God and the Holy Spirit was working in her heart and deposited something in her heart that where she knew if she obeyed what she had on her heart that there would be a result. So faith comes from hearing God. So if you're seeking the Lord, there are times where the Lord has come up to me and he said to me, you see that person there? I'm going to heal them. I have faith because I've heard God. Yes. Jesus only did what he heard the Father say. He didn't heal everybody. There were people who were still unhealed yes, when sir. Jesus left, right? So the aspect, my job is to stop. If I see someone in a wheelchair, I have Logos faith. What is Logos faith? I am absolutely 100% convinced that God can heal that person in the wheelchair. Okay. Absolutely 100%. But Rhema faith is specific. Will God heal that specific person in the wheelchair when I pray for them. 
right? So the aspect is to say, Father, I know you can heal this person, but is it your desire for this at this time? Are you putting something in my heart? Are you putting something in me? If he puts something in me, it's like if we agree to meet at the beach show down here at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon yeah. because we talked, then I'm going to have faith that you're going to be there. But if I haven't heard that... Yeah, so let me just stop right there. Are you So in that thinking, though... Again, the, the larger topic becomes, does God always want to heal the people? And the answer is, seems like yes, yes. according to Jesus. Yes. According to the way Jesus lived life, it seems like yes. What you're saying is uh, valid in that you do need to hear the word of the Lord to speak the word of the Lord, which is the ultimate root of faith. Um, so... What we started talking about last week is the root of all this in that does God want to heal? The question has to be, the answer has to be yes. Um, if you don't have a word for somebody's problem right now, maybe you're not the person to do that. Like you said, you don't have a word for that person. Maybe that's not the right time for you to pray for that person. That's where a lot of the speculation creeps in as to maybe there's some issues in judgment and things. like. It's a lot easier for us to manage than we talked about last week. Just manage your own faith. If I have the faith to pray for something and God's given me this word or green light or fear, we go do it. Um, I just wanted to insert that because it's if you don't have a word for somebody, be very cautious whose fault it is you don't have a word for that person. Exactly. Timing's important too. Timing's important. The man born blind was born blind and was blind for a long time until a very specific time that God so desired and willed. So there's 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 factors involved here that go way beyond us and our faith. Yes, very much. Lots of factors. Actually, there's a, a lots of factors. <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, and um, you started off with compassion. Um, having compassion for things is seems to be a critical component to this being an effective process. Um, and you'll notice, at least I have noticed, that when I pray for things that doesn't seem to be moving, um, you do kind of, it's, a, it's something you have to learn to guard your heart against. You do kind of start to build a case against that person at least I have in the past, I will say, you start to build a case of why maybe it's not God's timing or maybe my, why maybe they have issues and all this stuff. 
And we're going to talk a little bit tonight, hopefully, if we, if we get into it all. Like, there are some scriptures in there that point to people have to want it, and, you know, spirits can be cast out of somebody, and they can return if the house isn't um, filled back properly, it seems. And um, there's different things, but compassion has been, that was what changed. God, I went from, uh, I believed in miracles and had seen some things to when God really opened up my heart of compassion for a world around me, uh, I saw a lot more. Once I stopped trying to bend everyone's knee to my ideas and systems and just started realizing that God just loved everybody in compassion. And I don't know if you remember in Brookneal, but I used to say, um, I've, 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 God has shown me that he's not, you can't change people you don't love. Yes. He's not going to use you to radically change a group of people you don't have deep compassion for yes. and deep love and and just sincere, like I don't need so I don't need the result of this to benefit me in any way. I yeah. just have deep Christian compassion for you or a group of people or somebody else. And so, compassion, I would say, is one of the biggest components in my experience to this actually working. Um, I have lots of faith for lots of things, but if if I don't have compassion, then it just doesn't seem to click right. Um, real, real quick, the girl in the back. Great. Kirsten, next. No, I just, it, it, because what you're talking about is what God had to teach me around when it came to healing. And from that, getting that concept, I just, in my own walk, saw a much greater increase around this healing and staying with it. And But then it just reminds me of, of Matthew 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And he was healing all of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's Matthew 9. Yes, I got to stay somewhat in order. Just when you were saying that, it kind of tied it right back to that list of gifts that the greatest of these is love. Love. And you said you can't. All of it's for nothing without love. Mr. Tim? I um, am thinking of some of the great healing ministries that had, have been in the past as well as those currently. I think of Catherine Coleman, I think of Heidi Baker, and there is, uh, seems to be an overwhelming uh, move of God to heal whoever they pray for. Uh, you hear the stories that I heard that Heidi Baker you know, had like a 90% rate of healing in people that she prays for. So it kind of hints towards what you're saying is that the Lord desires to, to bless our lives, heal us, every one of us, loves us all the same. And there are some places that break the, uh, the concerns, the rules we have, uh, we've talked about that that may exist if, if you don't have faith or if uh, you don't have uh, a lot of the ingredients that you're supposed to have to have a healing happen, seems there are some places where it's just blanket coverage, like she just read in the scripture, yeah. where he had compassion, and, and we hear of, of great healing ministries and places where people go and, you know, the multitudes get healed. Yeah. And so I believe there is room for... Uh, Both. As you are preaching to us. Both. <laughs> yeah. 
Seems to be both. Uh, was there somebody else with a hand up? Okay. All right. Um, again, this subject is very humbling. Um, scripturally speaking, you can go through and make a real hard academic case for how this should be, what it is. Well, uh, there's lots of lots of uh, academic things, knowledge things we could cover, but when he gets down to it, it is humbling to believe that you're called to do that and then start to do it. It's super exciting if you've never seen it and it happens. It's wow, it's amazing. It's very head-scratching when it doesn't work. Like, Man, I really believed. I really thought that this was going to work. And what do you do with that is the biggest thing that I want to uh, want everybody in here to start to, you know, Consider in their hearts. If you have prayed for the sick before in some capacity, if it's worked, great. You have some motivation to keep going. If it's never worked, I hope to help you with uh, maybe just getting started with some basic ideas. Last week we talked about um, just some methodology. I don't, I don't want to boil this down to methodology. It's faith, right? Um, but just it seems like uh, there are times we broke it down last week into natural problems and spiritual problems. The natural problems, like there is a um, something just naturally wrong. There's something broken or out of place or something, um, and and we have to just speak healing over people. And we call that kind of we kind of call that creative prayer um, for as a descriptive term. Like we begin to speak like a new rotor cup. Like God, I just see a new rotor cup being built. It's kind of a prayer of faith because you're hopefully you're seeing this in your head or in your heart or maybe you hear things in your spirit or however you function. But you hear it and you need to begin to speak it. And we we speak the newness into existence in creative prayer. In spiritual problems, uh, we we got and this is more of a summary from last week, but we just said that really falls under. Jesus's authority like it's the authority of Jesus that's in us imputed by him that we carry that we can cast out demons and, and bind um, oppressive spirits of sickness or trauma or whatever it may be from um, tormenting people and we can just cast those out now uh, in your own strength that's not going to work on any level whatsoever that one is actually an easier one because that one is actually imputed from Jesus directly and there's not much you can do to change that other than kind of just understand the basic idea that there's a lot of authority in the name of Jesus for his followers and they can just speak to things spiritual problems and it can change now one of the things that we um, it was on this uh, sheet of paper I don't know if any of you all still have it but it's Matthew 25 I can find it on here real quick um, why do healings not last sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a question that comes up a lot um, particularly from the we don't believe this is for now camp um, they say it's all emotional um, they say it's, people get worked up and they just wanted to believe it and, and they think they're healed but then they go away and they're not it's just it's it's still messed up broken sick whatever it may be and so there's this it, it is a little bit in parabolic form but Jesus gives us an example of if a, if a spirit is cast out of someone and it goes and it wanders through dry places and can't find somewhere else to rest it's going to say to itself, let's go back to where we came from. He's going to find that house, you know, put, you know, put back together, empty, swept. And he's going to get seven of his friends and move into that old place and say, and he says, and the end is worse than where you began. Now, 
Um, that's not exactly a direct teaching of Jesus. So this is why sometimes you do come back and they're sick again. But it does kind of give us this idea that healings are, yes, God just wants to heal people. But he really wants to heal people to set them free, to fill them with himself. And so if we can um, pray for the sick and they be healed, we actually have a second job. It's take that moment and I don't want to say capitalize on it for evangelism, but take that moment while you actually have someone's attention and say, hey, God loves you. God wants you to be whole. This thing that just happened, I don't care how big you think it is, it's a small thing to what God really wants to do with your heart and soul. And you start to, um, just because we can get rid of things, don't, don't, like, I think it's real common for people, especially when they're newer to bold prayer of, Wow, that worked. That person flailed around a little bit when the demon left them. That, that's just like in the Bible. That's crazy. But God, Jesus kind of gave us instructions about filling that void yeah. with something that's stronger than what just left. And that is the kingdom of the Lord. Now, it was easy to say one place Jesus says, if, uh, if I pray for you and the sickness leaves, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Now, it's, so we, we know that the kingdom of heaven in that sense... Jesus' quote, right? The kingdom of heaven has come upon him. What's greater than the kingdom of heaven? What could overcome the kingdom of heaven? Well, as long as it's still there, then nothing. But there's all kinds of parables, and, and um, one that's pretty clear to see is, is the parable of the sower and the seed, right? And so you have this sower, same sower in every scenario, same bag of seed in every scenario. It's the word of God. It's the, it's the sheer root of where the faith comes from. It's the thing that makes it all empowered. Yeah. It's same sower, same bag of seed, different scenarios. And three out of four, I think three out of the four scenarios, the seed is planted, pops up, begins to grow. But only one of them does it actually last. Right, and so there's this. It's this idea. It's not so much not trying to get into do you lose your salvation or once saved, always saved, all that. Whole another topic. We're going to avoid that for tonight. But <laughs> the idea is that this word can come upon you, and theoretically, if we're going to mix all these up together, it could come upon you and have effect in your life. This plant can begin to grow, but if it's not on good soil that's tended. And the stones and all are removed and the briars and all the cares of the world, as it says, as it likens them to when he explains his own parable. If those things are not all taken care of, well, then this seed dwindles away and dies off to nothing. So it's, it's, it's kind of a we have as people, I want to, I hope through this topic of healing prayer that we not just resolve the ideas, but that we actually get put into motion to do this, understanding that we have a two part job. By faith, we pray for the sick. We can cast out demons, pray for the sick, uh, natural problems, whatever it may be. But then we need to push. Don't let go. Grab a hold to them and hope that you can help them fill that new, that what, what, what was occupied was sickness and death and spirits. Fill that space with the hope of Jesus. Amen. 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 Anybody got any thoughts on that? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And they've proven it like even with habits and things. You have to 
Replace it. What's that? You have to replace it. Right, with something else. But the other thing that struck me was you, when you read those, it, it used the word both times, come upon, it hadn't gone in. Mm -hmm. Like like when the Holy Spirit um, is actually inside of us. Yeah. Yes. Um, a lot of people encounter Jesus, but not all people seem to um, have him alive and well on the inside. Um, there seems to be a big difference. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit this on Sunday of just, uh, I think it's healthy to understand that uh, even when we come to the Lord as in like a salvation sense, that um, while all things are paid for and all things are accomplished, in one place it even says that we are um, rightful heirs of the kingdom and joint heirs to the throne, but when we are young, we're nothing. We're no different than a slave under stewards and authorities, and and so meaning, you don't know what you got. You don't know what's going on. A lot is done in the spirit, but it's not. And so I kind of liken it as I, I started to buck against the idea years ago that um, so many Christians in the past have pushed the idea that you know you get saved and bada bing bada boom, it's all you know, it's all good, it's all done. Yeah. But nowhere else on anywhere on this earth is something conceived and birthed in a finished product in one single moment. Not one thing. And Jesus used the, the born again, you know, verbiage. You know, one, that was somewhat common verbiage for Gentiles becoming Jews. But um, it was different. It's, it's likened unto a natural process because it is a process. And there's this, uh, you know, this... Even in, in the real world, you have a, a an inception, and then you have an incubation, and then you have a birthing, and then a growing, and a nursing, and a and a maturing, and a developing, and it's it, and then you you know what I'm saying? It's it's a whole long process, and I and I and that seems unpopular to some in some circles, but I just like to say that because you know just because you're not the uh, the Apostle Paul and Peter walking on water yet, don't give up. Don't think that you were meant for less uh, because you haven't gotten to the, the stories of the great people we read about in history. Neither today. You know, we read the book of Acts like it happened overnight, but that's a 28-year process. Yeah. Yeah. From the road to Damascus to us calling Paul the Apostle Paul, that's a 14-year process. Yeah. Yeah. And he was the most learned of learned men that ever that anyone in the New Covenant knew. Yeah. And he still took 14 years to call himself special. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's a journey. And this whole thing with prayer, it's a journey. But here's what we talked about when we first started. If you don't find the boldness to step out and start doing it, you're never going to see it happen. That's true. You're never going to see it happen. And it's not just about seeing it happen. It's about seeing the promises of God come to fruition yeah. on this earth. Yeah. It's about knowing that He... Um, if there's anything that brought me closer to his heart was stepping out in some of these areas because I got to see his heart. I got to see why he sent Jonah to save Nineveh. Yeah. The worst place on the planet to by their standards. I got to see why Jesus himself told a group of Hebrew people, the chosen people, that Nineveh would rise in judgment against them. By our modern Christian ideas, we, Nineveh would be somebody we don't even call saved. Yeah. But they repented by the word of God and lived yeah. accordingly. And Jesus said, they're going to rise in judgment against you non-believers. And so um, 
that's to say, uh, that seems like a weird combination when I finish that one. But um, the idea is that when you start to partner with God, you're like, man, He really loves everybody. His mercy is never-ending, it seems like. And so, again, we believe as Christians that we're saved by grace through faith. Right? Mercy is like a whole other category that doesn't necessarily get equated into our salvation equation. Mercy is, uh, the, you know, just to basically just use basic definitions of words. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve. That's the definition of mercy. Grace is best described as, an, as a supernatural empowerment from God to be what he said we could be. Yeah. Now, mercy is unchecked with God. He seems to love everybody regardless of who they are or what they've done or what things they've said about his son. He seems to love everybody and really want them to be healed and come to him. Seems to be the two most common things I've seen. Um, but, going back to the thing about filling the void, mercy is not what saves us in the end. Yeah. Right? Mercy is not what saves us. Mercy is what allows the, the freedom for us to be walking in grace, to be what God made us to be. So, this is a big topic because uh, healing... Is twofold. One, God wants people to be healed. Two, it's a great entry point to the conversation of where where's your soul looking like, buddy? Um, it's a really important thing because you, if anyone's had issues with Christians or church or God or whatever they think they have issues with, um, the second that you pray for their healing in the name of Jesus and their lifelong ailment or whatever goes away, the thing that was bothering them both physically and in their heart and just worried about it, well, if they're ever going to hear the message of God loving them and they can come to Him and be His children, then that's, that's the time, you know? And so we have this big, big job to do twofold. One, God wants to heal. Two, God wants to save their souls, not just heal them. Yeah. So um, how do we go from there? I had a lot of questions last week after, uh, after we talked about, you know, just some, some natural things. Has anyone, how many people in here have... Um, have actively prayed for someone to be healed. And I don't mean um, pray for comfort while they're sick, but just pray for someone to be healed. All right? How many people have seen that happen one way or another? Well, let me do this. How many people have never seen that work? That's an easier one. Well, we we try we typically distinguish miracles from healings with time stamps. Miracles tend to be instantaneous, healings tend to be uh, with time, but fast. But when you ask if you've seen it, like I've prayed for people to be healed, but I've never actually seen the miracle type of thing. Yeah, but if they've been healed, though. Yes. Okay, so a lot of times people get healed, like um, Heather, can I use you for example? She had something on the back of her leg one time, and it was something painful, rash, I don't know what it was. Um, Heather asked for prayer, and... It was super chaotic. Kids were crazy, running around. It was in the night, and she's and then she reminded me that she asked for prayer. And I said, "I'm super sorry. I tried to focus, and pray for her healing. It was quick. It was simple. It was quick. Power of Jesus, you know. Speak healing. Kids are still running around crazy. Rash is still there. Love you, Heather. It's gonna be okay. Um, Heather, I think testified. Didn't seem like that was the best approach of praying that night, you know. But her leg got better." You know, so it's, it's, it, it was still there when we quit, 
but it just got it got better the next day or quickly. I don't know. Within a week, it was bad. It was a big cyst thing, you know. Okay, so it's in lots of healing prayer. I try to like not rule out the fact that it needs. Sometimes it just needs a minute. Meaning, um, some of you have worked. You know, you remember um, Geraldine, which is um, Josh's Heather's dad's girlfriend. Um, she came in and she was the sickest looking person I think I've ever seen. No offense to Geraldine. Um, she was really sick. She was kind of green looking. She had an oxygen tank. She had a leg dragging behind her, hair all messed up. She looked sick, sick. And the word of the Lord came to me during worship to speak healing over her. I went over to her, I think after worship, and everybody's sitting down and everybody's looking for this instant miracle, right? Do we think of healings have to be instant? And I said that the Lord said to speak healing of you in the name of Jesus. I speak new new lungs. I don't know what I said, but I said whatever I thought God said to say that day. I said it, and then nothing happened, not a single thing. And without skipping a beat, I said, "Okay, moving on." And we um, went because I didn't ex- I didn't need it to happen right then. Yeah. God wants to heal her. God doesn't want to build my ministry. Right, yeah. and so I prayed for that. I just moved on with my great sermon that day, and yeah. um, and I moved, went on with life because that's really all I can do. I heard God say it. I went and did to the best of my ability with the faith I had, and and moved on. Well, that woman came back and did a dance for everybody the next week and did a testimony with no oxygen and her hair all slicked down and a little lady suit on her, like because she five years. It was she hadn't been off oxygen five years, and she. Just didn't need it no more. And, and it took, I think, three or four days. I don't know what it was. But my point is, is that healings do take a little time, but they tend to be quick. And then sometimes it's like it's never going to get better. This is a permanent ailment. And then inside of you know week, month, I don't even care how long it takes. If it's a permanent ailment and it takes a year, it's still God. Yeah? Questions on that? Yes, sir. It does not. In fact, Matthew 7, 23 says there's going to be a group of people that come up to the phone and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these marvelous things? Dumas, that's the word dumas. Cast out demons, do miracles. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. So the whole aspect is, from the Lord's perspective, salvation is really what it's all about. I mean, ultimately, um, he does want us to be whole but he would rather have us go through this life without a limb than to be cast in hell whole Yes. You know? so we need to understand if someone gets healed and all of a sudden next thing you know we're lifting them up is something that's not necessarily salvation no no we talked about that last week yeah, just, um, we've seen lots I've prayed for more people to be healed miraculously and they were healed and never they've never come to church they've never given their life to Jesus yeah. And we talked about the, the difference, that miracle scenario yeah. is not quite what people think because yeah. you don't get the process of going through the healing, which tends to be more relationship forming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's very much so. We, we, we really nailed that last week of like, it is not what you think it is. Again, it's your best. I think it's your best time to say this is a good moment to talk about bigger things. Yeah. But it doesn't. I don't want to lie to you. It doesn't always work. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, in the back. Not, not at you, I'm sorry. I'll come back to you. We will come back to you. 
Um, have we discussed that, like, what healing, like healing for someone who's got an infection in the leg that's going to destroy them could be that leg being amputated. Like, have we discussed that healing is not always whole, perfect body on earth. It's not always going to be I'm perfect in body like I'll be in heaven. Well, I think, um, I think in this, when we, on that particular topic, I think it's safe to say that we live in a current reality, in a current system where the faith that people have and the, what, what, where we are at in the process with God's kingdom on earth, there are some people who aren't healed. There are some people who are, as your case, you got gang, somebody's got gangrene and they're losing a limb. There's, there's cases where I would say less than perfect scenario. I do have to believe, according to Scripture, that God's desire, His His vision for this world, is that Revelation, the end of Revelation, the whole earth, seven continents, covered in glorified, glory-carrying saints of God who are governed by Him in their hearts. They carry Him. They they light up cities with their glow. There's there's this. I just I have to believe that the intention of God is that it is perfect. Now, I'll be honest with you. I hear you. I got nerve damage in my feet. Hurts every day of my life, every step I take. You know, God healed me tremendously that I can even walk. Yet I have nerve damage. I don't need, but I don't use that to say that God can't do it. The fact that I'm walking says He can. But the fact that I have nerve damage means we're not perfect at this yet. Right? And that's not, I mean, and, and that list goes on and on and on for me of things I've seen and experienced and lived through. And, and, and here's the idea is that we have to read the word and by faith believe for the highest level that we see. We have to let Jesus set the bar way up here. Yes. No one after Jesus hit the bar yet. Apostle Paul had uh, the craziest list of miracles or, you know, in history when we read even out of the canon that the, the Peter and Paul had astronomical miracle levels. Yet, Paul says one place that he left, I forget what his name is, but one of his uh, brothers in the Lord that was traveling with the new ministry, he left him in a certain city because he was too sick to travel. You know, it, but it didn't stop Paul from preaching the bar that Jesus set and obviously believing it. No, and so... It, it becomes this tricky thing. And the, and the only way I've found to deal with it is let Jesus set the standard and let us walk as hum, human race in the name of Him towards that standard. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So back to like healing someone that isn't self, salvation, but Jesus, like He left the 99 for the one. Yeah. So here's what I've here's here's what I've made sense of that. I've prayed for lots of people they that have been healed and they didn't necessarily, as I said, come to church, come to the Lord. But how do I know what the end of their story is? Yes. How do I know that that wasn't just a seed planted that's going to take a long time to come to the surface? We don't actually know, and it's not our job to figure that out. Um, I do know that if you're looking for immediate results, this is a very frustrating process. <laughs> if, you're, if you're believing in a much bigger thing, then you just go for broke. And we just hope that they come around. I know that for me, in just my base general salvation, 
I saw things that I couldn't make sense of before I came to the Lord. I, and things mark you, and they mark you, and they change you. Maybe you don't know what to do with it, but it's there, and you maybe you write it off, and you say, oh, whatever, I, I, was a, I wasn't dying of cancer. That guy didn't pray for me to be here. Yeah. Maybe you write, but, but it keeps plaguing people and plaguing people. And so I think God uses it to, to get them, get their attention. And that's why I say, throw the Hail Mary, if you understand the football reference. Like, you might not ever see them again. If you, if a, if a lost, unsaved, oftentimes, obviously immoral person comes and they say, you know, you heard you could pray for miracles or something, you pray for them to be healed. And if it's miraculous, I can just tell you statistically, from my experience, you'll tend to see instantaneous miracles because God can't trust them to partner with him. It's going to be a boom, a miracle, instant. I can tell you, based on my uh, experience, for whatever that's worth, throw the Hail Mary. It might be the last time you ever see them. While you've got them, they feel obligated to you at that point. That's when you start driving. And I mean, don't try to get them to prayer center's prayer necessarily. That's not my approach. Don't, don't try to get them in the spiritual headlock. You prayed for the miracle. God brought the increase. You've got their attention. They feel a little obligated to you. Use your time wisely. Plant as many seeds of Jesus loves them as humanly possible. And hope that whether you see it or not, they take root. Yeah. Yeah? Yes, sir. Would you say um, that if we're, it's not bad to look for a miracle right then. Sure, why not? But if, if you are and you, you're just, we have to be, what would you say we have to be reminded that it's not our effort. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It is. And about what he wants to do. And um, so, so then again, it's like, okay, like, let's look at, like, let's not make it about us. Let's make yeah. it about him. And It won't work if it's about you. Right, exactly. Even if it's about your uh, validating your Christian walk, it's not going to work good. If it's about anything other than just spreading the love of God, that's what makes it work good. Uh, anything else doesn't work good. Um, there's, there's just some basic things that make some things work anytime. It seems like God wants certain things done so, so strongly that he doesn't care who doesn't win and how. You know, uh, it's just he really wants some things done. And I've seen people accidentally pray for healings and it worked. Um, and uh, what's that? It's about him. It's about him. And so there's moments like that. And so what I tell people is, again, coming back to what he said earlier, it's the word of God giving you some instruction. Um, but if you think that everything's going to be instantaneous, you won't really live a long life of praying for healing. Because it's not often that. Um, and what we discussed before on this topic was uh, miracles are amazing and really fun. And sometimes I really just want a miracle, not a healing. However, healing produces a lot of relationship with you and God. And I, and I shared the story of how God had healed me when I first, you know, early in my salvation. I had some problems where I got you know, ran over our car and... Um, and uh, I just learned to live with it. But then I asked God to, to heal me. And he took me on a year-long journey 
I asked him to heal one thing, and he took me on a journey of obedience, and he healed literally everything that I thought was, that was ever wrong with me that I didn't even ask for in this journey. But most importantly, I learned to trust him, trust his voice, listen to him. And it was through that that I really, really started to draw close to him. And I, and I can honestly, wholeheartedly say that if I could go back and skip that one-year process and get it all done quick, I would never take that option. And so that's kind of my beginning with God can heal people. And so I definitely don't over um, underestimate the, journey, the value of a processed healing. Always believed that he was powerful enough to heal somebody, but I never believed for myself that he cared enough to do it for me. He would do it for other people, yeah. but he wouldn't do it for me. So we can't separate his care ever from his power. Like they have to be the same. It can't be one stronger than the other. They're both together. Yeah, and so that's that's we talked about that a little bit uh, somewhere. That's the power of having a. A faith-filled, spirit-filled body around you. Uh, my experience has been, it's a lot easier for me to get all you praying for sick people than it is for me to get you to pray for yourself. Seems to be my experience. Yep. Yes, ma'am. When connected to that, and you said like planting seeds after afterward because you've got their attention and also being polite at that point. Um, but those seeds, it seems so important to connect back to... Jesus did this because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. That seeds be full of, you know, not fire and brimstone so much as this is how much he loves you and he doesn't just want it for now, he wants it for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. Um, I think it's just uh, when looking at Jesus' path in the Bible with healing, uh, I think there's some things that potentially need to be just considered, so I'll just bring it up, would be uh, there are at least three times that I can think off the top of my head where he did an active healing and said, do not tell anyone. Mm -hmm. And um, that was for a specific reason. Um, and again, it all kind of focuses back towards the goal of a healing um, is a combination of the healing itself, but also the message that comes with that healing is the priority. Um, and in some cases... Uh, there's some evidence for one time where he told him not to was because he was in a position where he could quite literally get mobbed and there's no way to give a good message of any kind except just get mobbed by a crowd who just want to get healed and they don't care about any message. Um, but generally, it might be worth looking into just why he told them not to say anything um, on those healings. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have the answer to that. I do know I have considered it a lot. I've looked at it closely, you know, was this an example of someone being disobedient because they went and told everybody anyway, um, almost every time, um, except once. Um, and so I've looked at that a lot, and, and, and I don't know that there is, I can give a definitive answer, although when I look at what was going on in the natural, was Jesus was one, one embodied king, and he had a job to do. He had a big job um, of planting a lot of seeds in a very short period of time. And he seems to be um, 
protecting himself in that in that short window so that he can plant as many seeds as possible. He can't let them take him and make him king. He can't be mobbed to be their 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 new uh, massive free health care. He he wants to plant seeds and keep moving. And he wants and it appears that he can move faster if he's not being mobbed. It also he also at some point was like I there's just no way. We can't I can't slow it down fast enough. I have to commission the uh, the apostles and send them out. I have to uh, commission uh, other people, others, the other 70. Send them out to do the thing that I'm doing. Tell them the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Release your peace into the household. That's very important. If they're worthy, it'll rest. If not, it'll return. So this idea that um, he didn't want them to tell everybody, I think it's more of a, because he was one king trying to do one massive job and he needed the freedom to move now he gave up his one body to get the big collective body and he doesn't seem to care quite as much if we are hindered because he's got so many of us and so after resurrection jesus and the holy spirit commissioned you know go forward start the new church we don't really see that methodology in place again at least that's my take on that particular topic is that uh, well, and, and uh, it's just more of yes, I agree with that, but also it, it kind of something to look into when looking at failed healings or slow healings, timings, and things like that is just because again, it just all focuses back on the message of God and hearing the word of God and having that faith. And uh, what we expect is not always what actually happens. Um, and those scenarios in the Bible just kind of indicate yet yeah, why did he do that and there's a reason he did it of which we don't always understand yeah okay but but for the sake of conversation he still healed them oh yes yes he still healed them yes <laughs> so get back to where we kind of God just wants to heal everybody you know, he seems to want to save everybody, heal everybody. The word salvation is pulled from the word sozoed uh, sozoed embodies a lot of things being healed is one of them. You know, just the, the word itself, we, we've made it one thing, but it wasn't one thing. It was all things. Um, and so, we, yes, sir. Yeah, it's interesting because even Paul says that he had a thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. okay? And that he asked three times for that thorn in the flesh. Be removed, and he said, "No, your grace is his grace." That was kept there for a very specific reason. There's, you know, there's, there are those times where, you know, I, I said I have a miserable back. I'm kind of like you. I mean, my walking is basically because God gives me grace every day. Yeah. Every day, I get grace every day. Sometimes there's more grace. Sometimes there's less grace. But his grace is sufficient to do what I need to do. Yeah. So I asked him to, to totally heal my back. Yes, I have. Many times. I've had many people pray for me. Many times. And if the opportunity comes, if someone says, I feel that God wants to heal back, so I'll be the first one standing up. Sure. So I'll still continue with it. But I'm, I'm okay. If, if, I, if I end up going to the kingdom of God with, with, with a... With a bad back, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that's a very healthy attitude. And I think the other thing is, is that when the man who was born, who was uh, oh, let's, let's just—that's a big one, though. Can can we dissect 
we can do your first half. Being okay with going to the kingdom parted, you know, broken back still, whatever. Being okay with that is very important. I'm not saying don't believe for more. I'm not saying settle. But I'm saying it's not the only thing that matters. Like you said, you got to be okay with God is still good. God still loves me, right? Yeah. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Yeah. I want to, uh, I, I can't recall exactly which chapter that is. Um, but I will encourage everybody. That's one of the ones that comes up all the time. Encourage everybody to go back and, and find that. It's in Corinthians. Um, read that closely. But like anything else, don't read snapshots. Read bigger. Read the paragraph, uh, the chapter before it, into it, and out of it. And, and I'll just will, you know, uh, challenge everybody to read very closely of what he says specifically is his thorn in the flesh. Because uh, a lot of us believe that it's his, hand, his eyes were failing or different things because of other verbiage he uses other places about the big letters he writes. Um, I think that's more long length than large letters because he had poor sight. But um, he says preceding that, that the thing that's killing him is the concern for the churches. Yeah. In the chapter before, he says the thing that's killing me is my deep concern yeah. for the churches. Yeah? And yeah. so uh, on the topic of healing, uh, uh, again, you can read it, you can disagree with me on that. But I challenge you to go back and read all of it. On the topic of healing, he's not talking about God wanted him to be sick. I think he's saying, "My, I'm plagued with concern for the church. And I've asked God to take it from me. And he says, my grace is sufficient. What did I say grace is? It's a supernatural empowerment to be what God said. God never told him he had to die from ulcers worrying about the churches he planted. God told him to plant churches. Yeah. And so, you know... I, I would say, go back and read it for yourself. I've, I've pondered that one a lot. I've heard a lot of people's thoughts on it that are contrary to what I just said. I, I, I can't sit here and tell you everybody's wrong and I'm right, but I'll tell you, go read it. And read a bigger snapshot of that letter. Second, it's 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Good. Um, but, again, just because that's my opinion on that scripture doesn't mean that we have... People walking around still sick with some problems, right? It's just the thing that I that I can only thing I can drive home that I want to drive home is that none of this worked in my life until I started to believe that God always wants to fix it, yes. always. And so when we read anything other than Jesus's ministry itself. It appears that there's a flawed system and that there's some things that don't get dealt with or fixed. Jesus never left someone sick that came to him. He never said, God's work in your heart's not done. Come back in six weeks and then I'll heal you. He, he never said anything that we say. And so we said when we started, let's build ideas on what Jesus did and said. And let's just believe that even though we're in a failed attempt at that perfection, that that's still the bar that needs yeah. to be set. Amen. And so, and I just, uh, again, I've prayed for lots of people to be healed. And I, I drive this point home because I know what happens to the war between your ears. You have to resolve yourself before you ever get there that God wants to do this. 
God wants to do this is the first thing you have to resolve yourself on. No questions about it. There's nothing more for you to figure out. God wants to save everybody. Yeah. Right? He probably called you to do it because he said all who believed could do this. Right? Is this your time? Is this your moment? I don't know how to help you with that. We started off with none of this works unless you live in this secret place with God. Where you actually have an intimate, personal connection with the Lord. Where you're gleaning from Him, feeding from Him. And none of it's about the ministry you're going to do that day. None of it's about who you're going to pray for and what you're going to see. It's just about you and Him in that place. And then when you go out, you'll notice that I'm so in love with Jesus. And you're just like, I don't want to be distracted. I want to be just in tune to God. And all of a sudden, you get that leading. There's somebody over here who needs... I felt the Lord turn when I walked by that person. And then you, and then you got faith. And then you got word. And then you go. It's a, it, is, it is a simple system. But it requires everything. Yeah. It requires everything of you to live in that secret place. Now, like we said earlier, last week, I could probably teach y'all some basic verbiage and send y'all out. And one of you, if not five of you, would come back with a miracle story. <laughs> If I sent you to the right neighborhood with the right prayer system, it would work eventually. That's different than living an activated life of, I'm going to answer the Great Commission. I'm going to give my life to Jesus and live in this secret place so that I know when He wants me to do something and I feel empowered to go do it. And so, um, I have little to no interest in activating a bunch of people with a great system in place. I have a lot of interest in developing a group of people who want to give their lives to seeking Him so they know when and where and how and what. Now, God always wants to do it. The question is, is, is it your day to partner with Him? Yeah? And, and there's, like we got last week into spiritual afflictions and physical afflictions and the combination of the two. Sometimes you have a natural occurrence that a spirit can attach itself to. Understanding some of the nuances of this stuff, of how, when to cast out demons, when to pray for natural healings, when to pray for natural healings, and then cast out the oppressive spirit that's attached to it. There's some nuances or methodology that is helpful to learn. But until we really work through the conversation of basic idea, teaching methodology is kind of weird. Yes, sir, Mr. Phil. So I've been, this interesting segue, because I've um, recently, my time to the Lord, been very intense uh, recently. I like that. And it's been awesome. Um, I like that too. And also at the same time though, it stops. And because this, this like very intense moments stops all of a sudden in the middle of the day, I almost don't know what to do with the rest of my day. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, look, that was awesome, but I have to go back and do spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, this is more of a just like, hey, if you're, anyone else has experienced that or has experienced doing that, and how do you live the rest of your life if you don't have an active anointing, I'd love to talk about how you do that, how you steward that day by day. Yeah. Welcome to the biggest question of human existence. <laughs> How do you steward that? I, you know, I, uh, one of the, the only thing that I can say to that is I learned to narrow my focus. If you can find out how to encounter the Lord in your life, have these awesome, intense times with the Lord you're talking about, and then you notice that somewhere the dove leaves, as we say, the figurative speech, the, that presence kind of grinding halt, you're doing spreadsheets. Um, it, so all I've learned over the years is try really hard to order your life, narrow your focus, 
There's a lot of things that don't need to be there usually. Um, and if your, your focus is as narrow as it can be, it's the presence of the Lord and doing spreadsheets. Well, then start to really ask God to help you do spreadsheets. You know, be with you in this time. And, and, and it, it, it's a tough, tough balance. And if it, was, if, I, if it was easy, you wouldn't need me up here, right? Um, you don't need me anyway. But it is a tricky thing that we all have to strive for. And, and uh, this past Sunday, you know, I talked about the, 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 the letter to the Church of Ephesus in Revelation. It's the, the cry is you're doing all the work. You're working hard. You're laboring. You're you recognizing false apostles. You're kicking them out. You're you're not. You're you're doing all the stuff, and I commend you for it. You hate the deeds of the name. Like it's this list of good stuff. But this I have against you: you've left your first love. And the idea is that, like you're saying, you can find it every day. At some point, you you've noticed it's not the same. You're distracted with other things. The 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 warning would be: make sure you find it every day. Just because it, you know. Just because at some point it stops jiving in the day, don't quit the next day. Yeah. We just keep going and yeah. going and going. Yeah. And um, I know at some point I, I, I saw um, some crazy things. There were times when I would be spending time with the Lord like you're describing, and I had tasks, do jobs, things to do. And I'd say, God, I, don't, I just don't want to do it because I want to spend more time with you. And I've seen God miraculously do my work. I've seen him fix cars that were broken, broken. I don't mean like, like there's electrical problem that sometimes they fix themselves. Uh, you know, just typically, I'm talking like wheels have fallen off, and all of a sudden it's perfectly fine. Like it, it's a weird thing that God will start to if you sincerely like I don't I don't want to get out of my work, God. I just want to spend more time with yeah. you. Yeah. He does. He he has. I wouldn't say he does all the time. He makes me work pretty hard, but he has <laughs> just helped my work. Yeah. Um, but the, but the idea is just get up every day, fight that good fight. Yes, ma'am. How do you prepare somebody for when they ask for help healing their heart, like their close to walk? God, how do you prepare them for that? Um, well, one, I trust God. Um, two, I don't believe the battle has to be quite as bad as everybody has made it out to be. Um, there is a there is a, a tension a battle in people's hearts when they have one foot in each camp, yeah. um, but you don't have to have one foot in each camp. And so, I've learned that if I prepared people, if I started when I used to prepare people for the worst that might be coming, it brought their attention to the worst that might be coming. I, I started just saying, you know what, it might be hard for them, but I'm just going to talk about how good it could be, and maybe their attention will be on that. And maybe they'll come back later and say, I heard you the first time, but I've got these other problems. And then, you know, I kind of, well, we'll, we'll work through that later, you know. But I just, the battle doesn't have to be what everybody says it is. You know, um, I do tell people, not that the battle's harsh, but I will push people to find a lot of resolve in themselves. That's the difference between somebody who's going to really flail around and struggle and somebody who's going to have a, uh, a testimony that says 20 years later and I'm burning hotter than I ever have it's because they started off with a lot of resolve and they just no matter what this is their new direction we're going in it um, uh, oddly enough if you pay attention drug addicts tend to be some of the most fiery Christians you ever meet in your life once they're reformed why it's because they have a personality that has a lot of resolve no matter what they're doing, whether it's drugs or alcohol or gambling, or they have an addictive personality, which is really just a lot of focus. 
And then they refocused themselves on God, and all of a sudden, it, nope, what do you mean it's supposed to be hard? This is the greatest thing I've ever done. It's because they're hyper-focused. They you know? Huh? They replaced that addiction, too. They replaced that addiction, too, yes. Like, I thought it was because I seen the face of the devil on the drug addict and saying the grace of God, I thought that's what put me on fire, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, either one. Yeah, whatever works. I don't care. Here's the thing that I've learned in the years years of ministry that we've you know tried to stand with people, pray for people, all that. I don't know how God's going to do it every time. I don't know. I know that He has lots of ways. I know that He is relentless at getting people. Um, I know that He really wants to fix everybody all the time. I know that there are some conditions to the to the bigger picture. I do know that His 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 never-ending mercy and love. You also have to read real close about final judgments. It's 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 exists here, but it's here for us to get our souls and our spirits aligned so that we can be sozo, you know, transformed by the word of God and saved. So this topic is it's a big one because it's twofold. If you're praying for a lost person to be healed, they get healed, they might then hear the message of God, they might come to God. Maybe in front of you, maybe not in front of you, maybe another day. We'll hope for the best. But here's the other thing. If you are a child of God and you're constantly struggling with affliction, it's sometimes hard to stay focused on how good God is. It's sometimes hard to stay focused on this. Uh, again, we said, you really got to come to terms with it. It's not about that. And you can go to heaven, bust it up, just as good as a whole person like Jesus said. But it's about God wanting us to be healthy and whole. And we're not, obviously, on the earth complete in this process. But the standard has been set 2,000 years ago, and we have to believe it or we'll never get there. Yes? Um, as far as uh, we <clears throat> praying for each other, kind of Betsy brought that up a little bit about praying for yourself. Praying for each other is very important. Stand with one another. Be bold with each other. If you see each other struggling, be bold. Ask if you can pray for them. It is really hard. I don't, it shouldn't be. What I'm saying is me speaking as a man, as Paul said, not as an oracle of God. It shouldn't be so hard to pray for yourself. But it is. It is. Because if you think you have trouble judging someone else, you know your thoughts. You'll judge yourself real hard. You know? And so, um, so if you see your brothers and sisters that you know personally, intimately, uh, in the Spirit, you see them struggling, ask if you can pray for them. All right? Pray for them because they need, our, they need the prayers. Uh, I have... Seeing people who can pray for themselves and they be healed. It's awesome. But it's not all the time. I've seen people who can do it sometimes, but not all the time. I, I, I've seen all of this stuff under this flag. Like this has been like a really like a really fun topic for years now, and it's really fun. I've seen it work over the phone. I've seen I had it one time. I had the Lord tell me, um, I don't, and some of it was I, I just couldn't go with him, but he this guy showed up and wanted me to go to the hospital and pray for his dying dad. He was dead, like dying dad, like stage, whatever the highest stage cancer you can get. They pulled the plug. They've given him morphine to comfort him, and he's done. He said, I need you to come pray for my dad, man. I said, I can't go today. He said, well, he's going to die. I said, okay. And I said, well, God told me to give you. I gave that man two cups of them pre-made communion things, right? The little juice, the little cracker pack. Yeah. You know, it's not even a good system, right? Gave him two cups because God told me to do it. And I gave it, I put my hand on his hand and I prayed to anoint those cups and I told him how to do communion with his dad. This dude is also Joe Turkey, who I'm talking to. 
this Lawson's Joe Turkey dude is going to go pray with his dad and do communion in the hospital. And I never heard what happened next. But about six to eight months later, Lawson's Joe Turkey guy came driving by when I was outside the church working and he stopped with his dad, healthy as a, healthy as a, happy as a bug in a rug, said, hey man, thanks for the juice. <laughs> and then went on with his business. All I can say is, I wouldn't build no doctrines around that, that process, but God does some weird things when it comes to helping people. You know, and so we just, we have to hear the word, we have to believe, we have to go. We'll fail, we get up, and we keep going. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. You know, that's the idea. We just keep going, and the more you go, the more you see that God wants to do this. Yeah. yeah, He wants to do this. He wants us to see how much He loves people and everyone around us. He really, really just, He's there. He wants it. He has people in place. She talked about not being afraid for yourself. The Bible says in James, uh, he brought it up. If you're sick, go to the elders. They'll anoint you with oil, pray for you, you shall recover. Right? It's the system is in place. There seems to be um, outside of the imputed authority of Jesus, casting out spirits and, and all that stuff, there seems to be that God puts certain people on earth to have a special covering for you. And that's your brothers and sisters around you. Hopefully, if you have real God-appointed um, church leaders around you, they should have a special authority and anointing to pray for you. Now, if my notes were still up there, if they hadn't gone black, I would say something to consider. Going to a church slash knowing a pastor doesn't mean that you're actually part of that body. Yeah. Right? Doesn't mean you're actually part of that body. And I'm not talking about official membership or you're tied regularly. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about heart posture. Yeah. Are you really connected to a body? Because if you are, then a lot of things open up. If you're not, maybe not. If you're, I go to a different church when I want to, every different church, you know, once, once a month, whatever, I don't care. You never ever submit or connect or join anything in heart then that's not necessarily in place. Good news is, God wants to save everybody like we talk. Bad news is, you don't have the same extra options in place necessarily. Now, I say that to say, we pray for lots of people, it doesn't matter if they come to church or not, we pray for everybody, right? But there does seem to be a special connection for people who are, meaning, I'll tell you effectively, if this is any good to you at all at all. The people who are, really connected to us in heart. Um, I know what's wrong with you before you tell me, usually. Maybe I can't put perfect words to it all the time, but I know something's wrong. And God's already had me praying for it, whether I've told you that or not. Yeah. If you're really connected, I probably already know it. Yeah. Some of you have experienced, and I'm not trying to brag, this is just how God works with, a, yeah. with you're actually a pastor. How many times have I called you and you're like, man, I can't believe you called me right now. This is that moment. You know, it's that time. It's because if you're called to be a pastor, you're going to actually know what the sheep's doing. You know what I mean? I might wait for you to come talk to me to talk about it, but I should already know about it to some degree. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it, it, and if I don't, I'll be like Elijah. We read about the, the Shunammite woman. He said, something's wrong and God has not shown me. What is going on here? Yeah. He was shocked he didn't know what was going yeah. on with this woman because yeah. he was connected to her. Yeah. He had a room in her house she made, yeah. this special place for this man of the Spirit to dwell with her. And he's like, I am shocked that I don't already know why she's here. Yeah? yeah? 
It's a fun spiritual world we live in. In healing prayer, obviously, it's a little spiritual, a little natural, but the whole picture is this thing with God is amazing. Yeah. Yeah? And we fight for this secret place, this time that Phil talks about, this awesome, amazing connection with God until he does his spreadsheets. <laughs> we fight for that. We believe for that. Steward your life around that one thing, and all of this starts to work. Yeah? What time is it? What? 7.15. 7.15. We should probably start wrapping up. Any final thoughts or questions? Yes, sir. You, you were talking about the little communion things. Thanks for the juice. It brought to mind when Jesus spit on the ground and made blood and stepped it in the guy's eyes. Spit on the ground. That's not a miracle I've seen anyone try to replicate. Yeah, it's not a popular one. I have actually seen people try to do that. But. So here's the thing. I'll tell you a quick one on the, on the spitting. All right? Again, God does some weird things in weird ways. It's really fun. One time we had a real, like, um, actually the beginning of the story is Amanda, who's not here tonight, her dad, who has passed away now, he had some health problems and he had something, I forget what it was at that time, but it was bad. And, and God told us to pray for him and the Holy Spirit came in the room Sunday morning, so thick, so tangible that we just didn't do anything for like 30 minutes. We just sat on the door. I looked out at a congregation of mostly Southern Baptist people who looked like they were slain in the Spirit in their own seats. It was the richest, thickest, heaviest Holy Spirit I've ever felt in my life for as long as I've felt it. Um, Adam Knapp, who's Tim's son, he was hanging out with me hardcore in ministry back then. Adam flew the flag and he said, let's have a... We already had this monthly um, revival meeting that we would go from our church to Keysville. And Adam flew the flag on Facebook. He said, I've never felt God like this a day in my life. If you ever wanted to meet him, tonight's the night. And we packed the church out. I mean, it was standing room only. I have never, The floor was shaking. The walls were shaking. The band was way too loud. And there was a guy in there who, uh, who walked with the walker, uh, like the serious, like I'm permanently afflicted. Um, I think he had his arms hooked into the sun. Like it was bad. He had, uh, what was it? What did they call that? Parkinson's? Something I don't know. Cerebral palsy. It was bad. He 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 couldn't. He really couldn't walk at all. It wasn't just not good. It was like he can't walk. But he could drag himself along with his walker. He gets up there. Uh, he didn't even ask for prayer. But um, Red Sales, who some of you know, she said she went up to him. She said, "I think God wants to heal you." And he, she says, "Okay, we pray for you." And Red Sales is way out there when she goes to pray for people. <laughs> but they don't even work sometimes. And Red is hooping and hollering and praying in, in Jesus. And then. And then, uh, and then we all start, to, well, not all, a bunch of us join in. We start, to, the band's rocking, so not everybody can hear what's going on. Red is doing her thing. Um, I'm praying for this guy. Somebody else is praying, doing what they, and then one guy comes over and starts spitting on his legs. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, well, I read somewhere that the firstborn son in the Jewish culture, they considered their spit holy, and maybe that's why Jesus spit in the ground. And I was like, bro, I don't know about that, but Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was red, being red, or that guy spitting on him. I don't know. I, don't, I know that guy limped out of there just like he limped in, but the next day he walked all the way across his house without a walker. First time in a decade he'd ever took a step. More than a decade. Like, some of this stuff, I don't want to write books on it. I don't even always like talking about it because it's weird. I don't know which one it was, but the combination seemed to work. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, Red does spit a lot when she prays for people. <laughs> 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 
good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was fun. It was just God is good. And I say all that to say like the, the failed attempts are easily marking. Don't easily mark your heart. Don't let them. Don't let them. Read the Bible. Let it inspire you. Let the New Testament writings inspire. Read Acts if you want inspiration. You know, um, and then just go and just go. And if and, and here's the thing. If you pray for somebody out and about and you're like, I want to think I'm supposed to pray for you. You pray for them and nothing happens. And you don't even think it's like one of them that's going to happen soon because it's a slow healing. It just it didn't, I, I felt nothing when I did that. Just say, hey, I don't know why this doesn't work. It should work, but it didn't work. Sorry. Like, we don't need to minister to God, you know. Don't make up stuff. Just pray for people. Keep going. I heard Dan Moeller say that one time he showed up to, he was asked to pray for somebody, he showed up to pray for them, and it was, they were way worse off than he anticipated, and he lost all of his faith. And he went back, and it did, he prayed it didn't work. He went back and cried and humbly begged the Lord to forgive him for not being prepared for the, what he was being called into. Got prepared spiritually, went back, and the person was healed. Yeah. All that's to say is, we can't build our ideas on our failed attempts. We march forward. We look for that secret place. We steward it to the best of our ability. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Steward it to the best of your ability. Remember, we talked about it here a couple of weeks ago. We had a night of prayer. That thing about turning your affection towards the Lord. If you haven't been executing that or practicing that, do it. It's not the end of being in the secret place, but it seems to be the entry point when you're frustrated or distracted. You, if you can learn to do that thing where you've literally turned your affection towards the God, the connection is so quick and instant. Again, it's not the end of the game, but it is the entry point. If you can just get that connection made, then the rest starts to get easy. Yeah? All right. Any other thoughts, questions? We've got to wrap this up. You say no, more thoughts no more thoughts and questions. <laughs> Let's pray one time. Yeah. Jesus, I just ask as we, as we said, Lord, we humbly come before you, not knowing all the ins and outs yeah. of how this works, yeah. how your kingdom comes upon us in this earth, as you yeah. said. We don't know, Lord. All we yeah. seem to know is that you want to do this, and we are wanting to be your partner. Lord Jesus, I just ask for this special grace right now to be released on yeah. each and every one of us to find that secret place. Yeah. Not just to find it, but to steward it. Yeah. Don't let us find it to write a book on how to get there, Lord. Let us find it to learn how to live there. Yeah. And from that place, Lord Jesus, we just ask if you are, um, if you will lead us to pray for the sick, we will partner with you and be obedient. Lord Jesus, we, we ask you, Lord, to cleanse our heart. Hebrews 9.14 says that the blood of Jesus, you, is sufficient for purging our conscience of even its dead works right now. Lord Jesus, we, we ask you, Lord, if we have thinking that doesn't allow us to believe wholeheartedly that you are good all the time and want to heal all the time, if we have... Um, blemished thinking, we ask for your blood to cleanse our conscience yeah. of its dead thoughts. Yeah. Give us the thoughts of your life, the freedoms that come with it, Lord Jesus, the ways, the truth, the life. We want all of you, Lord, at all costs, even if we have to stare into the valley of repentance. Yeah. 
Jesus, make us not a stiff-necked people who are scared to turn our heads when we see a new truth come by. Because there is no new truth, Lord Jesus. There is only You. And if we think something is new, we just thought wrong before. And we thank You, Lord Jesus. Meet us, Lord. Amen. 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 Alright, guys. I don't know that we made it